From Accord, this is From Vendorship to Partnership, a show where we dive into the realities of scaling startups. This season, Accord CEO Ross Rich chats with the next generation of startup founders about the ups and downs of signing their first customers while building a repeatable, collaborative sales process. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to the Founder Journey series we're hosting here at Accord. I'm your host, Ross Rich, CEO and co-founder of Accord, and we're joined by Puyan of Scratchpad. I'll let him introduce himself real quick. You got it. I'm Puyan from Scratchpad. <laughs> I don't know what else there is to add. No, I'm, I'm the CEO and co-founder here and excited to chat with you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, might as well dive right in on these, these quick sessions here. Would love to hear your founding story the decision to go back at it. I know you've you founded a company before. Yeah, kind of the craziness of, you know, let's go through this wild journey again. Curious to hear what led you to, to kicking it back off a scratch pad. Why saddle up again? That's a good question. Yeah. I'll be completely honest. We we really didn't want to. <laughs> we weren't ready to. We were, we were when I say we, I'm, I'm, it's me and my co-founder. We've been, we've been working together for about a decade plus now. And, you know, our, our last startup ride was an exhausting one. And we we had an honest conversation with each other, like you know, do we do we want to get back into this again, and and why? But I think that the short story of or the short of it is that we ended up getting pulled into it because we we kind of landed on this problem that we're like, yes, this is real, and it's and we have some unique perspectives on it, and we're excited about it. So it happened more, I guess, organically than it was a very deliberate decision to know we want to do something else, and and we're going on the hunt for something else. Totally. Well, I think you bring up a really interesting point that isn't discussed a lot that's come up in a lot of these conversations is the founding team being a huge impetus to starting a company. It's not like mm -hmm. one person has this idea or, you know, would love to hear kind of that dynamic. And from your perspective, how important that is, you know, why you see so few like single founders out there that have started great companies. Well, I think it's possible. It's just, it's a lot harder. And it's just, it's great to have somebody else that you're in the trenches with and you balance each other out because it's such an emotional ride. And, you know, when one person's freaking out, the other person's getting them in check and, and vice versa. Uh, and it's just fun. It's fun to have a team to go through this with. But, you know, for us, we had very honest conversations with each other and kind of trying to make sure that we are, we're in it again, because it's such a long ride. It, in the early days, it's super exciting. It's the idea. And you're like, yeah, this is going to be amazing. But it takes a lot of energy to lift something off the ground. And we had done it before. And so we, we were saying, hey, like, do we really have this now? We knew, we knew we wanted to do it again at some point, but it was a question of, do we want to take a break for a little bit, recharge? Yeah. But yeah, that, that didn't happen. <laughs> well, clearly you both are very passionate about, yeah, going from zero to one and, and starting companies. Yeah. So it's more of a, sounds like more just in your DNA than a conscious decision. But yeah, to the next question, your approach to winning your first 10 customers. So it sounds like, you know, obviously you had insights from your first company and just your career into what yeah. you're doing with Scratchpad. Would love to hear, you know, was that much easier the second time around because you had that network? How did you approach, you know, winning those first core 10 customers? Yeah, and I, I realized I didn't actually answer your first question directly on the founding story. It was more, do we even want to do this? Yeah. So in terms of getting to our first 10 customers, it's, uh, I'll talk about the founding story quick. So we had started a company back in 2014 called Persist IQ. And back then, the whole concept of sales engagement didn't exist. If, if you were 
a sales rep trying to do any sort of outbound, it was just one off. I mean, and we were solving our own pain at that point. You had Salesforce, you had Marketo, you know, there were one off email tracking tools like Yesware and Tout App back in the day, but nothing that helped you actually build what's now a sequence or a cadence. Mm-hmm. I was doing that manually. I had a spreadsheet in Excel, I had a mail merge with Thunderbird. And we, you know, we, from our design product sense, we're like, there should be something here. Mm-hmm. Most investors wrote it off. They're like, no, Marquette will do this. Salesforce will do this. Fast yeah. forward, you have, you know, multi-billion dollar companies out of here. The reason I bring that up though, is we, we, we had that insight. It was a pain we were trying to solve ourselves. We didn't know much about sales to be completely honest. Our, we were still getting into it. What we knew was founder led sales, but we went on a five, six year journey building for salespeople, building for sales teams. And we just built a lot of empathy for that persona, for the problems, and really enjoyed it. And that's what actually people. It's a very fun group of people in the sales world, yeah. You know, this it is. I, I actually, I really enjoy it. And I think this is something that I wish I knew earlier. You know, for the first two years, my co-founder and I were working together, we didn't have that insight of how important it is to connect with the persona or the group or the users that you're solving for, mm-hmm. because we ended up working on some ideas for too long, I would say, that we thought were interesting ideas. But once we actually got to spend a lot of time with users, and I think that's critical, you need to have that empathy for who you're solving the problem for. We realized like that's we just weren't connecting with that so much. Mm-hmm. And I think with, with sales, with the revenue team, it's, it's different now. We, we enjoy it. Like I look forward to getting on calls with, with folks. And so that's what actually helped us develop a lot of empathy, which then helped us get to the first 10 customers. Because one, we had, we had a network, but even then I was still doing outbound. For the early days of Scratchpad, I was doing a lot of outbound because it was a very different persona. Were you using Assist? No, no, I wasn't. And here's why. And here's why. When I say outbound, it was less on the spray and pray type outbound. And, not, yeah. and, and Persist can, can certainly help with that. But this was, I was going, I had a very, very narrow target. So the audience list was small. Mm-hmm. And so it was much more effort per communication, per email, a lot of like referral type outbounds, just because I, I had a thesis on the on who the user should be. And so I wanted to test that. Totally. totally. Yeah. Awesome. So fast forwarding, you know, you spent a lot of time focusing in on this, on this narrow ICP for your first 10 customers, had the network, et cetera. Yeah. How and when did you know that you definitely had product market fit with Scratchpad? Um, that's assuming we actually have it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the feedback that I see about Scratchpad from you know even our customer calls that we hear, yeah. uh, assuming you guys are there. So no, we are, so, no, it's an interesting question because I actually I think there's a couple layers to it. There, there's product market fit, but in a and maybe this is because we're more in a bottom up type situation yeah. where there's multiple users, I think there's product user fit as well. And they're actually, they're nuanced, but they're very different. And so we actually went first for product user fit, not for product market fit. And they're related, but what I mean by that is the majority of sales tools that we knew that existed ultimately failed because they just didn't have adoption. If you looked at it on a spreadsheet of features that all kind of look the same and they do cool stuff, that, you know, maybe you sell the deal, but then a year comes up for renewal, is anyone using it? Oh, no. Okay. Right. Then, you know, sure. So, yeah. so we, we just obsessed over that. And, you know, we, we, for the first quarter, it was just this like really, really delicate little idea that we had. And we were like, all right, like, can we get 10 users to use it and love it? Mm-hmm. And that was our threshold to say, do we continue or not? We got one. 
So we completely failed on that metric. But the one that we got though was so passionate and, and said, you know, the number of times we heard, holy shit, this is incredible. I am now using this every single day. That's when we realized that, okay, there's, there, we're onto something that itself wasn't product user fit. And then we just kept going for that and looking at both the metrics. So we, we started instrumenting everything from day one, looking at retention, looking at engagement, but then also a lot of qualitative stuff, a lot of surveys, a lot of talking to users. Why are you using this? How does this fit in your day? How would you feel if this wasn't part of your day anymore? And, and that's, it was more, it's, it's gradual. It's not like it's just a, a switch flips and you're like, okay, cool. And then we've got it. Totally. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And, and probably depends on, you know, what market you're playing in, who the users are, what the yeah. product is. But I think you're spot on in terms of, you know, where a lot of sales tech falls down or like end users versus different decision maker is in that usage, right? I think there's a lot yeah. of great promises or ideas and the actual getting that to happen is the challenge. So that's really clever that you started uh, from the bottom up there. And, you know, we're kind of seeing a similar thing where, you know, the promise great from, you know, to a CEO, CRO, whatever, repeatable process, but like having people in there, that's, you know, another challenge. And um, yeah, it's smart going to making sure people are using it every day first. And yeah, I, I guess, you know, maybe good next question is where are you at today? And mm -hmm. you know, where do you see things going in the next couple of years here? So in terms of where we're at today, we've, yeah. you know, what started out in the early days of like, gosh, is there anything even here? It was such a, no a noisy, crowded space in the sales tech world, and it's become even even more crowded, which I don't think is a, is a bad thing. I think there's just, there's still so many problems to solve. Mm -hmm. What started out as, is there anything here? I think we've answered that question very clearly. And, you know, it's if, if you look at just the feedback, even on our site, on anywhere about users using Scratchpad, it's had a meaningful impact on people. And I think for us, that was the North Star that we were shooting for is, would somebody care about this thing and care enough, care enough about it enough to say, I would be incredibly upset if this were no longer a part of my workflow. And so we've got that. And, and a big part of it now is just getting that to as many folks on the revenue team and the sales ecosystem as possible. Because I think what's interesting is so many people in, uh, in sales, just, you know, you're so busy, you've got your quota, you're not out there trying to find new tools and, and yeah. experiment with new stuff. And so I think we've talked to so many people that are like, you know, I know my current method isn't the best, but I'm just, you know, I, I stick with it. And so our biggest challenge is how do you overcome status quo for folks? That's one of the biggest priorities for us. That's interesting. And, and, and on the, you know, it sounds like, okay, you get a certain group of people that are excited to use this thing, get a ton of value, don't want to lose it. I mean, that's a lot of work in and of itself to get to that point. Yeah. What do you think the biggest challenge is to monetizing this thing, right? So we talked about, you know, there's going to be a subset of people that are excited to use it. What yeah. about more of the decision maker side of things? Who, who's driving this and, and what are their, what's their perspective on it? Yeah, that's interesting. So I think, and, and that's where in a, in a bottom up world or environment, it, it, it's interesting to understand who your users are and who your buyers are because they could fundamentally yeah. be different. Um, and so there's a lot there that I'd say we're still unpacking. Totally. Yeah, that's, that's been a challenge for us as well. And, and, and really wasn't the case in my experience in previous roles is how different the value prop, the perception, et cetera, is from, you know, for us, it's like sim very similar, like there's the sales rep, but then there's the yeah. revenue leader and like what a sales rep cares about very different day to day and goal setting and perspective than CEO or CRO or VP of sales. 
And then, you know, at least on our side, then we have this other person to think about, which is like the end customer. And yeah, yeah balancing the messaging where you focus on the product or marketing and sales stuff, I think is, is definitely a challenge. But uh, if it wasn't hard, it wouldn't be fun. So. No, and I think the, it, and that's why it's so important to know early on what's going to make you, when I say you, the company, the product successful, so you know what signals to look for. Yeah. Because if we would have looked purely for monetization early, the signals weren't there, to be honest, but we had conviction in the space. We knew that there, this is a real pain. People have budget for it. But the only way to get there is if we have better adoption than anyone else out there. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I love that. Love that perspective. Well, this is my personal favorite question to end with. Yeah. You could go back to day one, starting Scratchpad and give yourself one single piece of advice. What would that be? Only one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tricky part. <laughs> Only one. Um, Let's say one thing to Puyan. I'll answer it slightly differently. We we had the benefit in that we were just coming out of having started and, and sold another company. Yeah. And so we applied a lot of our, our lessons learned there. And, and for a bottom-up world, one of those was like instrument the heck out of everything early just to make sure you, you are challenging yourself on, hey, it's not like, oh, they say they like it, but are they actually using it? Yeah. Um, what, what I would say maybe for... A little bit, a um, little bit past day one though is once things start to work, this concept of letting things go, and I think it's really hard as a as a founding team, whether you're you know as co-founders, where in the early days you are the one working in the business, you're doing everything, mm-hmm. and slowly as it starts working, letting it go and saying and starting to work on the business, and I think that's a it's an interesting transition that, that, that we're going through now because it's working, we're growing, but I would say it's as soon as it starts working, recognizing it. And doing that a heck of a lot faster than than you thought you, you probably should. Totally, that that really resonates, and and less so in terms of like, you know, we're gonna scale the heck out of this thing and raise yeah. you crazy round. It's more of like you know, bits and pieces of it, right? Before yeah. when it's you know one or two people, it's like you're doing everything. You're doing the product, the design, thoughts around engineering, sales, marketing, and it's like okay, there's a piece, right? And you bring yes. in the right person to take that off, and you got, do got to let go there. And I think that was you know very similarly challenging because it wouldn't have gotten here unless you did that thing and you're worried, okay, well, if I don't continue this, are things going to continue to go well? And are we going to get to that next step? But yeah, you definitely need to, to trust in the team that, that you're building uh, to take those things off. Well, I think there, there's that trust piece, which is important. Um, so there, there's two pieces. One is the ability to let go. And I think a lot of, and you can work on that, but even if you have it, then it becomes a, a prioritization issue because you're like, you can't find somebody, you can't snap your fingers and just say, oh, the perfect person is there. Recruiting and finding folks takes so much effort. Yeah. And it's this trade-off of I should keep doing this thing versus I have to stop doing this thing so I can find somebody to put them in place so they could do it. That I think is one of the hardest things. Yes. Yeah. Totally, totally. That definitely resonates. It reminds me like last summer when I spent a ton of my time trying to find this founding product designer, really challenging role because they're architecting your platform. Yeah. And had to step back in so many ways. But then when you have that right person, you're like, okay, like this was 110% worth the time. But at the time, it doesn't feel like that. Like yeah. I was doing a thing that was moving us forward. I'm stopping to take this bet on something else that might yeah. not work out too. So yeah, that's that's a really great point. Well, appreciate you taking the time in. This was super insightful. Hopefully the folks out there learned a few things that they can apply to their business. And, uh, and best of luck with everything at Scratchpad. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 
You're listening to Accords from Ventureship to Partnership, where we dive into building startups, signing customers, and scaling collaborative, repeatable sales processes. For more episodes like this, make sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.